If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, you want to switch your phones on or your app on, on silent, um, to Luke chapter 6. We're going to pick up where we left last week as we uh, continue through these beginning chapters of Luke and the beginning story of Jesus and his uh, recorded ministry here on earth. Um, we're picking up from our motto text uh, for 2023, uh, which is um, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and looking at what that looked like in the life of Jesus as he took that passage from Isaiah, as he declared it uh, in the synagogue on that particular day after he'd been in the wilderness, came out of the wilderness having been tempted and then began this uh, new adventure, this new call upon people's lives. And uh, then what, what did that look like in the life of Jesus? How did he put that into practice as he proclaimed freedom and recovery of sight and uh, life for all who would listen to him? And so we've we started last week. Do catch up with that if you weren't able to hear last week. Catch up on YouTube. That will be there. And uh, we're going to look now at chapter 6 and verses 1 to 16. So if you've got your Bibles, you'd like to follow on along, here we go. Uh, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and his disciples began to pick some ears of corn, rub them into their hands, and eat the grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Well, Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked round at them all and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Amen. Keep your Bibles open and uh, keep the phones on, and uh, we're going to look through this passage just now. Now, this week I uh, had the privilege of visiting someone, and... Um, when I went into the room for their visit, they were so excited. And I were, they, were, they were pleased I was there, of course. They were excited I was there, of course. But they were so excited to tell me that this week they'd been offered a bag of blessings. Isn't that an amazing thought? Wouldn't, be, wouldn't you like to receive a bag of blessings? Would that be good? And uh, I was intrigued. I wondered what this bag of blessings contained for them. And then they went on to tell me, actually, they'd misheard what the nurse had said to them. She'd come in with a bag of dressings, (laughs) not a bag of blessings. But hey, if you're in pain, 
I think a bag of dressings is definitely a bag of blessings, isn't it? Uh, so maybe they actually were blessed in the process. But are you eager for a bag of blessings? Eager to receive more of what God wants to give you than you've received so far? George, you, are you ready? Yes? You want a bag of blessings? Yeah, I'd love a bag of blessings. In fact, I guess most days if we stop long enough to think about it, we probably do already get a bag of blessings, do you think? That God is giving us his favor. He is blessing us with the riches of his love and of his mercy and of his grace, isn't he? But the Pharisees, they didn't see it, did they? They didn't get that here in front of them was someone who could give them more than a bag of blessings. They had this religious spirit in them. And Jesus continues to surprise them. Conf- surprise, did I say surprise then or something else? Surprise them, confound them, upset them, whatever it was, whatever he did, whenever he came to that point of blessing, they seemed to step away from it. In fact, the text said to us, furious with him, wondering what they should do to Jesus. Whenever God pours out his blessings, there may be those who feel that it's not the right blessing to have, perhaps. Last week, they were upset with Jesus as we looked in uh, Luke Luke chapter 5 when he sat around a table eating with sinners and tax collectors and because his followers were fasting, uh, weren't fasting. Today, well, because he's breaking the Sabbath rules. And then, in the light of all that they had witnessed, all that his followers had seen happen, from his disciples, unnumbered and unnamed, he chose 12 to be apostles, called them, named them to be his pupils, the Talmudim, if you like, following this most extraordinary rabbi. He calls his disciples, he chooses his apostles, and so the journey of blessing continues. And here's Jesus, right at the beginning, when, the Sabbath is, when he's confronted with what he should do on the Sabbath, he declares in verse 5, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And taking David as an example, declaring his kingly authority over this particular day, over all that happens on that particular day, Jesus is saying, I've come to set you free from all that is hindering you. But let's remember too that Jesus hasn't come to say the Sabbath is wrong, he's come to do something different about what God has given us as this gift, the gift of Sabbath. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I have come to fulfill them. I have come to give these, the law and the prophets life. And you've been squeezing the life out of them. So I've come to show you that I can bring color to the commandments that you have. And I think that's a blessing, to rediscover color in the commandments of God. Now, how many of you here this morning, it's lovely to have the youth here this morning, Um, how many of you remember black and white television? How many of you don't remember black and white television? Yeah, oh, there's a few more than I thought. Well, I'll have to revise my age profile then, I think. But anyway, maybe you just didn't have a television. How many of you remember a time before black and white television? When you didn't have a television? Look around you, look around you. Look around. 
Not even a black and white television. My goodness me. Yeah. Are you glad you've got colour? Would you go back to black and white? Would you go back to no television? Yeah, probably, actually. That would be much, much better, wouldn't it? But then we'll stop there. Who would go back to black and white when you know there's colour? Who'd go back to something that wasn't quite, didn't have life when you found life in all its fullness? Here's Jesus saying, you know, these commandments, I haven't come to abolish them. I haven't come to say that Sabbath is bad. I've come to color it in, to show you what God intended. Because Sabbath is a vital part of how God wants to bless us. It always has been. Right from the very beginning, Sabbath has been part of God's blessing to his people. Go back to Genesis chapter 2 in the creation story. God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God, what did God do to the seventh day? He blessed it. Do you see? Here's his blessing. Here's his favor. Here's the color that is coming into our lives away from the mundane six days. He blessed the seventh day and made it holy, sacred, special, set apart because it was to be his blessing to his people. And to ensure that his community of people took this seriously, the Ten Commandments given to Moses to set limits on life and to set them apart as God's people emphasized the importance of the Sabbath rest day as well. But of course, give any statement to lawyers and you know what's going to happen, don't you? They're going to add and add to it. And so to clarify this, the Jewish scholars created 39 separate categories of what work means. And within those 39 categories of what work means, they added subcategories as well. There are literally thousands of sub-rules to follow if you, uh, when it comes to the Sabbath law that God gave. It even says how many steps you can take in a day and how many letters you can write on a Sabbath. Remember letters? Anybody remember letters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or let's say emails. They'd forced it to be black and white living. They'd pushed it to such an extent that it'd become black and white. You're in or you're out. You do this, but you can't do that. And Jesus came to announce the year of the Lord's favor, the ultimate Sabbath, the Jubilee, the year of freedom and of transformation. He brought color into the commandments that had the life squeezed out of them. Jesus invites us to obedient joy. That's what marks out the followers of Jesus. Obedient joy. Sabbath is not meant to be a restriction. It's designed to be a release. It's part of the rhythm of following Jesus. It's there to give us his favor, and his blessing. So God stops his creation and he rested in what he'd made and with what he'd made as well. In the garden with Adam and Eve and every other creature that he'd blessed this world with. It's there for our enjoyment. And so Jesus challenging this black and white view and says, no, 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 my blessing is to bring this life out of what you've squeezed the life out of. This is God's favor. Stop and take time to make yourself available to walk with God. That's his blessing. That's what God did. That's what he offers Sabbath to for us. It may not be on a Sunday. It could be another day, whatever day. 
But take time to stop and make yourself available to walk with God because God wants to walk with you. That's colorful living. I wonder how many of you like rules. Do you like rules? Do you prefer rules to no rules? Did you ever get in trouble at school for breaking the rules? Anybody had to sit outside the headmaster's office at any time? Come on, I'm saying I did. I know it's hard to believe that. I, it's hard to believe you did, Jeremy. I'm sorry about that. But thank you for confession this morning. Have you broken a rule when you drove to church this morning? Any, anybody break a rule? No, oh, Richard did. And he hasn't, you haven't got fired. Come, Richard. I know it's all downhill, but um, maybe you went a mile an hour over the speed limit. You broke the rule. VAT rules. Anybody ever broken VAT rules? Can I read you uh, the VAT rules when it comes to items made of fur? Would you like to know what they are? So if it, 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 there's 12 questions. It's like a flow chart. You have to answer yes or no. Yeah? So are you satisfied that the article qualifies as clothing, inverted commas, and meets the test of design and suitability? Yes, go to question two. Does the article contain fur skin, i.e. fur, hair, or wool attached? Yes, go to question three. Right, I'll go to question eight. Is the fur skin from rabbit, wooled lamb, or sheep? So if the answer is yes, it's zero rated, because apparently you can eat rabbit, lamb, and sheep, so it counts as food, even though you... Yeah, I think so. No, go to question nine. Well, I'm going to question 11. Is the fur skin from goats or kids? Yes, go to question 12. Here's question 12 for you. This is the final question. Does the goat or kid originate from Mongolia, Yemen, or Tibet? Because <laughs> if it does, it's standard rated. And if it doesn't, it's zero rated. There we go. Do you like that one? I had hours of fun looking on the government website of VAT rules. I recommend it to you. See, sorry, that was just an aside that was totally unnecessary. <laughs> this is what I want to say. God's favor is not earned by playing, through playing by the rules. It's received by pursuing a relationship. And that's what God wants, to walk with you in a garden. Trying to keep the rules is a short-term solution to a longer-term problem that we have. Pursuing a relationship, that's the longer walk that brings God's favor and blessings every step of the way. And that's the invitation that Jesus is making to the Pharisees. He's making it to the rule makers. He's make, making it to those who consider themselves guardians of the law. And he's making it to us as well. Jesus brings color out of the commandments. So keeping them leads to life in all its fullness. Not because God's commandment is wrong, but because how it was being kept to squeeze the life out of it. So let me release you. He's not calling you to play by the rules. He's compel compelling you to pursue a relationship. And when you've pursued the relationship, then everything else follows. That is his bag of, that's in his bag of blessing for you today. The relationship that he longs for you to have. And this is what happens when... We accept that. He invites you to make a response. See, this is the place of joyful risk. So we have that obedient joy because of that relationship, but now we enter this place of joyful risk to make a response. Will we make a response to what the blessings that he's offering to us?
God's blessing, his favor demands from us to trust him. It's all over the, the, the Bible story. Hebrews chapter 11, for example, outlines for us faith in action. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, and on it goes. The New Testament, a catalog of God's favor on those who obeyed. Mary, greeted by the angel, she says, the angel says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You are highly favored. Here's my blessing It's going to be poured out upon you because you say yes to what I'm asking you to do. Joyful risk that comes out of this colorful living that Jesus wants to give to us. The offer of God demands that we make a response to him. The invitation to wholeness is his blessing. The man with the shriveled hand, verses 6 to 11, he responded seemingly without hesitation or deviation or repetition. Get up, and he got up. Stand in front of everyone, he stood in front of everyone. Stretch out your hand, he did so. And his hand was completely restored. He broke the rules. He took the risk, and he was restored in that moment. See, that's the invitation to make a response that leads to a place of blessing. Because God has more in store for us as we're obedient towards him. Now, some of us are saying, well, I'm, I'm just not a risk taker. I'm just not a risk taker. Can I just test that this morning? A friend invites you to a new restaurant that has no menu, but offers a tasting selection of world foods for a bargain price. Right? Do you, A, go along and try everything on offer, because life is all about new experiences. B, go for a meal, but give the waiter a specific list of your likes and dislikes. Three, politely refuse when it comes to food, you like to stick to what you know. Yep. Are you an A person? You just go? Yeah, B people? C people? Not going to go there. What about this? You're out with a friend when you bump into an acquaintance in the street. You know you should make a polite introduction, but you can't remember this person's name. What do you do? A, take a guess at their name. Hopefully they'll either correct you or politely ignore your error. B, don't make an introduction, just have a short, friendly chat and move on. Or C, apologize to the person, admit that you've forgotten their name, then politely introduce them to your friend. Some of you, you'd be an A, wouldn't you? You'd just have a go, wouldn't you? Because you're the risky person, you just take the risk. And it doesn't matter if you're wrong, other people you couldn't, you don't want to be wrong, so you'd admit that you'd forgotten. We all have different risk levels, don't we, on this scale. Now, I'm not agreeing with your answers or not, whether you should be an A or B or a C person. But I think when it comes to Jesus, I'd like to suggest that joyful risk seems to be the way to his favor. Scary and frightening, yes. Compelling, rewarding, yes. But there's the bag of blessings, and he wants a response. He asks for a response to us. Will we, will we take that risk, that joyful risk? And I think this is the key. The key to this is relationship. Because Jesus calls us to a longer walk. Called to him and chosen by him. That's what he said to his followers. Called to him, chosen by him. Are you going to be in this for the longer walk? The German, the 19th century German uh, philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, famous for his often misunderstood quote, God is dead, 
He said this. He said the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction. There thereby results and has always resulted in the long run something which has made life worth living. A long obedience in the same direction. That's, I think, where Jesus calls us to. This is risky obedience, I appreciate. Risky obedience in the same direction. But this is the call to Jesus, to those who will hear it and get up and follow. Because really it's the only direction you can go that will allow you to grow fruit that will last. It's the only destination that will enable you to experience life in all its fullness. It's the only decision that will equip you for this longer walk of perseverance that will see you to the end. This is resurrection living. That is the offer of Jesus, the favor he came to proclaim and to bring to us. The opportunity for a longer walk. A walk of perseverance that sees us to the end. In Genesis chapter 11, we read there about the family line of Terah. And he was the father of Abraham. And he would be renamed Abraham at some later date. But Terah, Abraham's dad, and the family... In Genesis 11:31 it says they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan but when they came to Haran they settled there Now Terah lived until he was 205 years old that the, then the Bible comments and he died there Genesis 11:32 He had stopped in Haran and that was where he finished But what did he set out to do? He set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But he chose to settle before he'd reached his destination. He walked 640 miles roughly. He only had another 640 roughly to go. But he decided to settle halfway. Now Abraham, Genesis 12, finished the journey. Because God called him to go on from Haran to Canaan. Why did he go? Why did Abraham go and not his father, Terah? Well, Genesis 12 gives us, I think, the answer. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you Abraham stay the course keep the course my call to you is a long obedience in the same direction that's where the blessing is that's where my favor is that's where I want you and need you to go Now, sometimes it's vital that we stop. Sometimes we have to stop in this journey. Perhaps grief causes us to stop, and it's right to stop. And pain, maybe when we're hurting or when we're confused or concerned, we're caused to stop on our journey. It's healthy to lament our losses. But Pete Gregg, in his book, Dirty Glory, he says this, Don't make disappointment your permanent domain. 
Don't make disappointment your permanent domain. In other words, there is a time to stop, but don't stay there. There's a time to be moving on in this longer walk, this obedience in the same direction. That's the call. Wherever you are stopped right now, the call is to this longer walk. It's the pathway to God's blessing and his favor. So this is what I know. That God's favor in my life and your life is his presence. That's his promise. His favor enables us to respond to his call. And because of his blessings, he calls us to a longer walk, a walk of obedience. Peter, he denied knowing Jesus. He denied knowing Jesus and he could have stopped there, couldn't he? He could have stayed in his denial and that would have been the end of his journey, but he didn't. He went on to obey the call that Jesus made to him and he received God's blessing and he gave God's blessing. So I wonder this morning, are you stuck? Perhaps you're being tested Perhaps you're dwelling on disappointments. Maybe you're longing for his presence in need of God's favor today. Well, here is invitation to respond. His call to a longer walk. In your obedience, you'll find his favor. In fact, there are many bags of blessings waiting for you and for me to receive. He'll dress your wounds as well, by the way. (laughs) He does have a bag of dressings as well. But he will bless your life as you're obedient to him. Jesus, there was a moment when he asked the Father to take his suffering away from him. There was a moment when Jesus said, is there another way? Can I just stop here? But he went on. He went on to burst out of the grave so that we, his followers, would receive his blessing and his favor as a result of his obedience to the call made upon his life. His blessing is available. His favor is for all who will follow him. So maybe today it's time to get up again. And to begin that walk, that longer walk in the direction that he has called you to. The direction of his blessing and of the fullness of his presence and power in your life as well. We're going to remember the longer walk that Jesus took. The walk to the cross. The walk out of the grave. And he hasn't finished yet, has he? He's promised he'll come again. And in these moments of remembrance, we'll give him thanks for those promises that he's made into our lives. And perhaps today for you, maybe taking communion today will be the start of you getting out of the place you're stuck in today. When you receive the bread and drink the drink, then it will be your moment to get up again and set your face on this longer walk that he calls you to. He's invited you. He's called you. He's chosen you. He just asked for a response. It may seem risky, but it's the place of blessing. 
And God wants to pour blessing into your life. And I believe you want to receive it as well. So that your life reflects his love in all that you do.